problem with this thing called self knowledge is that even though it's right there in front what is right there in front the truth of myself as free free of samsara which means some sorrow or the other which i always have even though this truth stares at me i cannot see it because of what we spoke about last night we spoke about two things at length agrahanam not knowing leading to anyatha grahanam anyatha grahanam means knowing in a way that is not correct incorrect knowing we can't here be complacent and say at least i know something incorrectly no <laughs> that's a very dubious satisfaction because here the error is is a very costly mistake a mistake centered on the infinite is what an infinite mistake naturally and so therefore i have to correct it how to correct it <laughs> and here the tendency of the human being a particular tendency that we encounter in these times kicks in what is that tendency diy tendency what is diy do it yourself apne aap i want to do everything by myself it is the it starts when one is two 
where the child wants to tie its shoe, doesn't know how, still struggles, will not let the adult even come little bit closer. No, me, all by myself. And continues from this tying of the shoe, it continues to when one becomes a momok shoe. Okay. <laughs> continues. Unabated. This tendency to figure it all by myself. Figure it out all by myself. Do it all by myself. Because why? Why should I rely on you? <laughs> Who are you? Why should I rely on you? How do I know that if you tell me something about me, that it will be error-free? How do I know that? I don't know that. So therefore, the DIY tendency proliferates. I want to figure it out. I want to do this all by myself. I want to have this. I want to... I want to figure it out. I want to just be in the place of quick, quick, quick and finish it without relying on anybody. Okay, well and good. And we can also say good luck. <laughs> because in matters of this self-knowledge, because the, the self, the I about which we speak, cannot be figured out as an object simply because it is not an object, I am at a loss how to understand that which is myself, which is not an object. About any object, I can, I can, I can have a lot to say. I can be vajalah means very well articulate, very well equipped with words. I can, I can say many, many things. I can write a poem on a Grecian urn. <laughs> I can write. Pages and pages and pages about why a certain thing in the universe behaves in a certain way. I have a lot to say about things that are in the purview of my observation, things that I can grasp with what are called the sense organs, means of knowledge. I see, I hear, I, I catch. I have a lot to say about that. And then in addition to the sense organs, I also have a few ways to, of knowing. Such as inference. Such as multi-step inference. Comparing to something. All these things. So many ways of knowing I have at my fingertips. And all these are good for what? Only knowing objects. Am I an object? 
say no so we can move on. <laughs> Am I an object? Are you an object? No. I am that which objectifies everything in the universe. How can I be an object? I am not an object. What I am? I am that sentient consciousness that objectifies everything in the universe. The only thing I cannot objectify is what? Me. Oh, so sad. <laughs> not sad at all. I need not objectify myself. This is why it's not sad. Otherwise it would be very sad. Not only I cannot objectify myself, this is understood. What is the second thing? I need not objectify myself. But the question is, why not? Why do I not need to objectify myself? In response to this question, I have another question. Do you exist? Yeah. Ah, answer came quickly. <laughs> Frequent ashram goers. Frequent retreat participants. Yes. Are you here? Yes. How come you don't have to ask somebody? You don't turn to the significant other and say, Do I exist? <laughs> Please tell me. Am I here? Please tell me. You don't need to know that. You don't need a certificate of existence. That is for entities like this ashram, the Ashavidya Gurukulam. You know, when we file the papers and all, we have to apply for a certificate of existence. Does a human being need a certificate of existence? No. Why? Because I know I am. I am and I know I am. This is beautiful. I don't need a certificate of existence because the I that I am talking about is that which gives the certificate of existence to all other entities without needing it myself. So therefore I am not an object. I don't need to be objectified. I am the very subject, the observer of everything and the one that objectifies everything. Question is, how many eyes are there? Not eyes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> how many eye? One. Eye, 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 eye. It's always singular. Eye is not plural. Singular. You is pluralized sometimes, and then he, she, it, they, and even we, even though we say I, we, but really. The I is extremely special. Only one I. The I in me is the same as the I in you, the I in he, the I in she, and so on. One I. Many bodies, many minds. In fact, the entire Jagat is just a as though projection 
of just this one I. It just inhabits. So then, the question at hand that we are discussing is how to know this I? We are talking of DIY. <laughs> how am I going to know that this I, which I, the one that indwells this body mind sense complex, complex, and which unfortunately has gathered a lot of complexes. This I is a very complex I. There is pain, there is sorrow, there is fear, there is depression, there is anxiety, there is all kinds of complexes. The I is a very complex issue, very sad issue. <laughs> so, both the I of the Upanishad, which is told, which we are told, is free of samsara, is free of pain, is free of sorrow, and the I that as though indwells this body-mind complex, we are kind of familiar with both. In other words, we experience both. The freedom of the I of the Upanishads is very much experienced. Who says Vedanta doesn't talk about experience? It's all about experience. When is this free I untethered by complexes? When, if we ask the question, when is it experienced? We can say, in moments when I am not assailed by my own agenda. Then there is time to stand and stare, as a poet said. <laughs> there is time to breathe the air. There is a little inner leisure to be able to smile at somebody, to be able to notice that the world is so beautiful, to be able to be free. But this eye is very elusive. It comes, but it mostly goes. By the time I know it's there, aha, it's gone. And then, like the English weather, the clouds gather. <laughs> clouds of sorrow, pain, fear, anxiety, what if, what next, what now? All of them gather. And the I that is the most sought after, the I of the Upanishads, the I of the truth of myself, where is it gone? It's just gone. Is it really gone? <laughs> huh? Say yes or say no. No. <laughs> but you didn't say yes. It's not really gone. As the author of the Hastamalakiya says, a direct disciple of Adi Shankara, 
घनच्छन्न दृष्टि घनच्छन्नम अर्कम मन्यते अति मूढ मूढ शुड हैव बीन एनफ बट हियर मूढ मीन्स वॉट डिल्यूडेड द डिल्यूडेड वन इज बीइंग टॉक्ड अबाउट सो दिस डिल्यूडेड वन हियर अति मूढ द अटरली डिल्यूडेड वन looks up at the sky on a cloudy day and says the sun is gone the sun has been swallowed up by the clouds is that what has happened no therefore the author says it's not that the arka the sun is ghanachannah channah covered by the clouds what is covered by the clouds is the onlookers vision a vision of delusion a vision of division this is the mistake that i make on the eye the eye that i want the eye that is sunny the eye that is happy is gone <laughs> overtaken by what pain sorrow anxiety so both the i the i of the upanishad that which is totally told to be free of fear and sorrow and the i that is as it were entrenched in fear and sorrow both of them i'm familiar with the one appears to come and go and the other one appears to be here to stay the question is which is which <laughs> ah well here we can have kotidvayam two kinds of pakshas two sides we can take we can argue no 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 see experience is everything and i am experiencing sorrow more than joy i am experiencing a sense of bondage more than freedom so therefore the sad frightened bound i is the reality and the happy i the one that is there in the pages of the upanishad that's where it belongs <laughs> that's where it is safe it is kept safely for many 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 generations many 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 centuries because this is an idealism what moksha who gets it how to understand it so this is an idealism this i of the upanishad comes visits goes and the other i unfortunately is me does this sound nice to even believe no i may have come to this conclusion but i come to this conclusion from a sense of desperation and hopelessness that i feel i cannot avoid i am not coming to this conclusion willingly joyously because every fiber in my being 
rejects sorrow as an attribute of the self. Every single molecule rejects every single brain cell, every single corner of the buddhi, the intellect, utterly and unequivocally rejects sorrow as anything to do with the definition of I. This becomes a dilemma. I want something I cannot have. I want to be free. I want to be forever. I want to be all the time feeling unbound, feeling joyous. But then, what am I feeling? Yeah. <laughs> that is the feeling. This contradiction, this double experience the experience of wanting something that I cannot have is something very interesting it is what it is actually the noticing this the noticing of this becomes a very blessed intervention because when I notice this I see something wonderful I see that it is it is to my benefit to resolve this apparent contradiction. The contradiction of being happy and sad at the same time. When I know that I am rejecting one and wanting the other. Why only individuals, even pharmaceutical companies reject, even though they haven't studied Vedanta at all, <laughs> the people working there. They reject the notion that the self is sad. That's why there are, or the self is anxiety personified. They themselves know that. That's why there are newer and better and better kinds of antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicines. And then in the advertisements they will say, it will make you feel more like yourself. <laughs> How do they know what is the self? <laughs> Have they studied Chandogya? No. Have they studied Mundaka? No. But one knows. Just like the music maestro who is singing in a concert but unfortunately has a cold. Terrible cold. The voice won't go but already the dates were given and the tickets were sold. Maestro has occupied the stage and is singing and there is a high note which he knows cannot be reached. What does he do? He points to it. <laughs> there it is, but I can't go there today. <laughs> I am on cough drops. <laughs> but you know that it is there somewhere. I know it is there somewhere. Uh, that is how the truth of the self, my friends, beckons. Even the most sad one, even the most desperate one, even the most hopeless one, cannot but be transformed by the Upanishad. This is why the study 
is needed. This is why it is not, as we started this class, a DIY affair. It is not a do-it-yourself affair. I am going to manufacture my own happiness. Well, that's what you've been trying to do. How has it worked for you? <laughs> if you say it has worked, then I will ask the question, then why are you here? To listen to a perfect stranger about the truth of yourself. <laughs> that's when the ashram, the gurukulam, the study of the self beckons, when all other mechanisms that we have in our hands fail. The mechanisms do not work and therefore I am here. And that is what it is, that is how it works. No other way it can work. That is how it is. I need help. It's a very intelligent conclusion. Not the conclusion of one who is a Atimudha. The Atimudha continues to keep on playing in the world of the finite, manipulating the world of the finite, trying to make it infinite. The one who says, I need help, is the intelligent one. The opposite of Atimudha is Dhira. Dhihi Rati. Dadati, the one who is buddhiman, dhiman, one who uses the intellect to know that everything that I have done till now has not gotten me anywhere at all. Therefore, I have to do something different. The same mistake if I make again and again and again, that is what leads me to trouble. Let me have the buddhi to make a different mistake perhaps. <laughs> Let me have the wherewithal to take a leap here. I need help. I need help not because the self is difficult to understand. Because as we have seen the self is self-evident the self is right there. It is, it is myself alone. I need help because I come in my own way. I come in my own way. The infrastructure that I have and what is the infrastructure? That I am subject to sorrow, part of the infrastructure. That I am subject to anxiety. That I should not trust anybody that I have fears, that I have all these things, these are my things, that I deserve respect, maanita, that I have done famous things in, in my life and I need acknowledgements. This is my infrastructure. Also part of the infrastructure is the identification with the body-mind-sense complex. I am so-and-so, I am the son of so-and-so, I am the daughter of so-and-so, I am the spouse of so-and-so, I am the father of so-and-so, I am the mother of so-and-so, I am this many feet and that many inches tall. Always they will add to it, okay, yeah. <laughs> 
I am this many pounds in weight. Here, don't add. Subtract. <laughs> okay. This is how it is. This is who I am. So hum. Oh, so hum. So hum is a holy word. <laughs> it's a holy phrase. Not here. Here, so hum means what? Ho hum. That is what it is. So hum means. Etad deshakala vishishtaha. Conditioned by this kind of place, this kind of time. Then, dharma vishishtaha, etad, this kind of dharma's attributes, this is who I am. This is my pravara. This is my, this is my description. And this description is dearly held. You fight off predators who come to even question this description. This description is defended. This description, these attributes are upheld all the time and defended against real or perceived marauders, predators, people who question this. Why? Because I have gained it with great difficulty. I have lived in a dog-eat-dog world. And what have I done? Gained all these accolades. I have become famous. When I Google myself, a few things show up. <laughs> I have all these, I have all these awards attached to my name. I have all these letters attached to my name. The name is there and after that there are certain groups of letters. A, B, C, e, PhD, all these things. And this becomes very important to me because I have just worked so hard. Why should I give it up? And it is needed for me to occupy a space in the society for which I feel I am rightfully entitled. So the whole life goes protecting alphabets which come after the name. <laughs> whole life goes in that. Keep on collecting, collecting. Collecting, collecting, collecting. And then what? Protecting, protecting, protecting. This is what comes in the way of knowing this I that is free of all collections and which does not need to protect anything, in, uh, uh, least of all itself. Why? Because it is not under threat. The I revealed by the Upanishads is never under threat, therefore needs no protection. It doesn't need to be manipulated. It doesn't need to be fixed up. It doesn't need to be made into something it is not. Because it happens to be what I already am. It happens to be what I want to be. You ask anybody in any country, do you want to be sad? 
they'll say absolutely not in whatever language they speak they will just completely repudiate sadness and yet sadness is experienced how why why is sorrow experienced this is the subject matter of the upanishads the sorrow is experienced much like the sun under the cloud that's all it is as though experienced why wrong identification the identification with the finite with everything finite body finite or infinite finite mind yeah here there is no <laughs> gap quickly it comes mind is that about which i can only say never mind finite senses finite all the things one has collected finite all the thing one is striving to protect from others finite what do you want infinite definitely that's why even at the fifth marriage in the vows the person will write this time it is forever <laughs> what about the other four times Shh, don't talk in auspicious things in, in an auspicious function in india this is very common one parent says to another my son my daughter got a job and what does the other parent say is it permanent <laughs> do you want the job this is my question to you or do you want the permanence in everything that one does one seeks permanence it's not the marriage that i want what i want is permanence i want the forever it's not the job that i want what i want is what permanence it's not the children that i want i want them to be there forever that's why we have especially in india difficulty letting go we don't know we are very good parents we don't know when to stop parenting that is the indian parent problem apparently this <laughs> is the problem once i was talking in washington dc and one 85 year old gentleman came and said my son does not listen to me please talk to him what is the age of your son i said 62 <laughs> that's when i said we have to have some kind of limits stop parenting at 50 Oh you mean when i am 50 i wish at least when your child is 50 <laughs> please stop parenting all together this is so through children one seeks what permanence house rented house no 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 own house actually it's not your own the papers are with the bank for 30 years <laughs> 
but still own mine permanent permanent house permanent job permanent spouse permanent child permanently insane that's what <laughs> if we keep on if we keep on looking for permanence in these things we can be certifiably permanently rendered insane this is not where it is this is not where the permanence lies and that is why vedanta is not a diy affair how has the search for permanence worked out for you this is all what you have to ask yourself i need help is an expression of intelligence and the upanishad is the answer to this cry for help the word shad literally means shed you can say upanishad <laughs> visharati disintegrates three meanings are there for the word visharana gati avasanayoh visharati disintegrates like the fog when the sun rises the fog dissipates but then if you live in san francisco then by 5 o'clock then again what happens fog comes in the west coast it happens so is the fog of atma ajnanam the not knowing myself anyatha gnanam knowing myself wrongly as a whole bunch of impermanence tied together hoping it will become permanent is this is this is this uh, agnanam and anyatha gnanam once removed will it return like the fog at sunset that's why the second word is there avasadanam avasadanam means uprooting it's like when you see a what is that called weed in the yard the weed does not think i am a weed okay it's you who have designated this should go this is a weed and then i believe some spray is there you spray dies then you say ha got you now my paved drive driveway is very nice full of cobblestones very nice one month later what happens tada <laughs> here i am it greets you the atma agnyanam is not like that the upanishad is not this foo foo spray no that's why the next word avasadanam means what it uproots unmulayati uproots means what there is a root 
and that root is called root cause. That the root is the cause. Root eva cause. That is called root cause. The root itself is the cause. And that root can sprout again. And here the root cannot sprout. Why? Because it is rendered, it is killed. The cause itself is rendered disabled because it is killed, uprooted completely. What is the root cause? I don't know myself. And therefore, that root cause fruitions and flowers into wrong beliefs, wrong understanding, misapprehension about the I. So when the cause is removed, the misapprehension also goes along with it. These two words are very important. Then there is one more word, gatihi. Gatihi means going, gamanam. But it is used in a causal sense. Not gachati, goes, but gamayati, leads. Because the question comes, okay, you are talking in drastic terms. You are killing something, you are uprooting something, you are disintegrating something. And then where will this lead me? What do I get out of this? What do I have to give up? And what if I give up these definitions of who I am that are mired in impermanence, then I don't get anything at all. At least before I had these list of accoutrements that defined me. I am studied, I am this, I am that, I am accomplished, I am a musician, I am a poet, I am a writer, I am, a, I am an engineer, I am a doctor, so many things. I am a programmer, so many things you can say. At least some of the time I felt like I was a hero. You talk of disintegration, you talk of uprootment of all these things, of everything impermanent. And then what? From hero to zero. <laughs> no. That's why the third word is very important. Gamayati. It leads me. To what? Brahma Gamayati. Leads me to Brahman. What is this Brahman and do I like it? Do I want it? The answer is a doubtless yes. Why? Because it is everything that I want to be. What do I want? To be free. Brahman, free. What do I want? What do I want? To be happy. Brahman, totally free of sorrow. What do I want? To be free of anxiety. Brahman, totally cool, not at all anxious. What do I want? To be big. The very meaning of the word Brahman is derived from a root verb Brihi, which means Vridhau, that which is big. Big means what? Is it uh, big? Is relative, of course, because it is of a size. Here the big doesn't have a size. So if I say, Relative means what? Let me give you an example. 
if i say look at this big mustard seed <laughs> relative among the mustard seeds then i'm looking for the biggest one right suppose i i say look at this big mountain it's a different thing so brahman is what is it mustard seed big is it mountain big the answer is interesting it is mustard seed big it is mountain big it is neither mustard seed big nor mountain big it is bigness itself in which all bigs which have a certain parimana a certain measurement are included but that which transcends all this it is bigness itself that which transcends everything that is brahman this brahman is i so what does the upanishad do gamayati it walks the i that is clinging to the body clinging to the mind clinging to the senses clinging to all these collected objects clinging to a junkyard of objects thinking it is i i i me 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 mine 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 all these things from there it is led it is repatriated rematriated to what brahman which is its definition which is its abode now how can you do this on your own no not possible because the one that wants to know who is in sanskritam called pramata pramatr pramata the knower can know a lot of things but the knower cannot know herself himself as brahman because this brahman is the truth of all objects itself not an object not an object at all it is oh so is it the subject we can even not say that we have to go beyond that it is that which graces the subject and the object but without graces the existence of the subject and the object but which is neither subject nor object not subject to objectification and even when we say subject it is just a relative interim stepping point sakshi subject observer just a place to land before we go further so that we don't get lost that is where it is it is a landing point an interim definition of the i as the subject nothing wrong but the upanishad even goes beyond that has to then how am i going to know this in all branches of knowledge pramata reigns pramata gloats yepi i got it i know pramata celebrates himself herself pramata pets 
on the itself on the back shabash yeah i did it in this knowledge the pramata has to be swallowed up if the pramata stands apart from the prameya which is brahman then we are in a very funny situation where we where our own presence delimits the limitless brahman is limitlessly big brahman is limitlessness personified and if i say there goes that brahman <laughs> what am i doing observer observed dyad is there difference is there and when i am saying there is that brahman pashya if i say that here i see brahman look here is brahman what am i doing i limit brahman because i am other than brahman brahman limits me because it is other than me the knower has to disappear the knower is consciously deliberately swallowed up in the process of this knowledge one more paradox in vedanta shastra it is a knowledge without a knower even when in the keno upanishad the student says i know brahman the teacher puts the student to test if you know brahman as an object yadi manyase suvedeti dabhrameva pinunam tvam vetha brahmano roopam sit down shut up you don't know brahman <laughs> keep quiet because you're making this very mistake of objectifying brahman you're making this mistake if you objectify then it is not you it is other than you then how is it different from so many things that are other than you pursuing which you are even sadder even more anxious how is this if brahman is one more thing in the world this is what a lot of people think there are so many things that i pursue and there is brahman that's why they come and tell me swamini ji we don't have time to study <laughs> so many so many things are there this is the problem it is not one more thing in the world it is the thing because of many because of which things are there it is the source of all existence it is the source of all sentience it is it is in itself limitless and it happens to be me how can i being this person who has morphed into this knower the cataloger of objects how can i know brahman as myself without this knower be surrendering the knower has to surrender that knowledge which knocks off the knower is called vedanta shastra very very beautiful and this is illustrated very very nicely in the chandogya upanishad 
ब्यूटिफुली इलस्ट्रेटेड द उपनिषद ब्रिंग्स इन इन द प्लेस ऑफ टू ऑक्यूपाई द प्लेस ऑफ द स्टूडेंट हाईली अकम्प्लिश्ड हाईली एरोडाइट एंटिटी नन अदर देन सेज नारदा narada has a bad reputation he is known as what troublemaker <laughs> not a troublemaker a truth teller the one who stands for causing a certain agitation in the heart in the mind because i have become complacent and taken a whole lot of things about myself and the universe for granted his very presence and his intellect questions those things that we take for granted and when we are not ready to see this it is easy to brand narada as the troublemaker narada is not a troublemaker he is a truth sayer so here so whenever narada comes into the picture whenever the word narada is heard naram means knowledge naram dadati narada whenever the word narada is heard be prepared for a total transformation if you are ready the blessings of this sage will will enable that to happen for sure why didn't you tell me before i would have closed my ears before hearing the word narada <laughs> oops <laughs> that's all i have to say here in the place of the protagonist our hero stands narada very 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 highly accomplished very erudite and we'll see he he himself will give a list of his accomplishments all his degrees all his pedigrees he will only give we will see that but he too is in the need of a teacher all this erudition all the things by way of knowledge that he has collected makes him understand that he cannot drop the knower as long as he stands in relationship to these accomplishments and he also understands one more thing i am still subject to sorrow <laughs> which is a very 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 important uh, what is that very very important uh, milestone in this journey in this search that means what i have studied so much i have gained so much i lack nothing i have everything that i want i have everything that most other people also want still i am subject to sorrow what does that tell us it tell us it tells us two things one is 
all these things places situations collections do not dispel the sorrow at least not permanently thing number 1 point number 2 it also tells something about my quest itself thus far that everything that i have done in my life is in order to remove sorrow this is a very very important uh, conclusion this is very mind boggling very very beautiful to understand everything that i have done every single thing that i have done is to keep the sorrow away is to get rid of sorrow only problem is sadhana sadhya asambandha what is that <laughs> the means and the ends do not match it's like a person wanting to go to san francisco but when the plane lands the flight attendant announces welcome to new york ayo what happened <laughs> i wanted to go to san francisco <laughs> bewildered i look where where did san francisco go okay i'll get down here <laughs> all right i'll see the sights and sounds maybe i'll just do this few days later i catch the plane again because i have a certain resilience i really want to go to san francisco next time also same thing happens welcome to new york what not again yes again and again and again and again and again and again we can keep doing this in infinite regress what is the problem here what should i blame <laughs> not the destination and the means there is a mismatch mismatch between the means and the end the end is called sadhya the means are called sadhana sadhana sadhya asambandha the means have nothing to do with the end they are not connecting me to the end they are leading me to another end called dead end <laughs> that is what it is doing one time theek hai the second time annoying but okay third time fourth time fifth time sixth time seventh time eighth time keeping on doing this life after life after life inside each life and then in between betwixt and between i am always wanting to go to san francisco but not knowing how this is the problem and so therefore in the what is exemplified in the darshtanta san francisco stands for getting rid of sorrow <laughs> i never reach it why because the means that i deploy 
are are not in keeping with the end but how do you say that i am trying to remove sorrow that's why i see so many movies because for 2 hours or if it is a bollywood movie 3 hours i am away from sorrow <laughs> i i don't have mismatch between the means and the ends what are you talking about i know i'll go to bollywood movie and i'll feel happy i know that but a sad person went to the movie correct and then who comes back sad person wapas aa gaya maybe the high of having seen the movie last for one more hour let's be generous because you know we always get the uh, what's that the accusation oh sanyasis are so anti samsara and anti movies and anti this okay two more hours you will be happy one more hour you will be happy after that what sad everybody's name should be sadananda yes <laughs> sada sadananda <laughs> once i had to you know in an interfaith meeting which i had organized i had to introduce one swami that was coming so i said sure i'll introduce him what is his name and the american on the other end of the phone said ah oh, let me see his name is sadananda i said no that cannot be right <laughs> sadananda <laughs> but here i am sadananda the ananda which is me has what's that mired as it were in sadness so it's not the right means definitely it's not the right means it's not taking me to the correct end so what is the problem here i'm trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist this is the problem here the self reveals the 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 self of the upanishad reveals itself as totally free from sorrow what am i trying to remove a non existent sorrow i'm trying to remove how can the sadhana and sadhya be matched not at all possible so what are you saying sorrow is real sorrow is unreal if sorrow is unreal it cannot be removed it will be like lady macbeth syndrome she was keeping on <laughs> trying to remove blood spots that was just in her imagination because of her own guilt of having commissioned the murder of her brother in law so that the husband could become king a non existent sorrow cannot be removed okay then sorrow is real it is existent if it is existent also it cannot be removed then what are you saying this the upanishad does how will it what so if the sorrow is real it it need not be removed if the sorry if the sorrow is real it cannot be removed if the sorrow is unreal then what it need not be removed what are we doing let's find out in the evening class
ಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮಿದೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾಶಿಷ್ಯತೆ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ